Welcome to the Summer Breakdown, a very special presentation of the Underpowered Hour. Today, the story of two men, one very old car and one very old motorcycle, on a perilous journey north. Welcome, fair listeners, to something a little different this week than our normal uh, underpowered hour of podcast, which will resume normal programming in just a few uh, short weeks, maybe two, maybe 18. We don't know. It all depends on how long uh, this, our summer breakdown story, uh, takes uh, to uh, tell. So if this is the first episode of the Underpowered Hour that you've listened to, uh, it's not usually like this. Normally we uh, we take, uh, you know, uh, time to talk about Land Rovers and things like this, but this is a story instead about Land Rover owners. One you know uh, and one uh, who uh, some of you may know, but most of you probably don't. Uh, of course we have Ike, as always. Indeed. I'm here to talk about uh, a trip that we decided to take. We, we, we thought we would find some something even older and dumber than a Series 1 Land Rover. <laughs> and we're joined by our very good friend, Linus, who undertook this incredible adventure, uh, seemingly for no uh, good reason except for the adventure itself. <laughs> yes. Uh, hello, everybody. And it's true. Uh, I went on the adventure with Ike, and I, I feel so silly being on this Land Rover podcast for my first time without having the subject be Land Rovers. <laughs> but here I am. We have a great, a great tale to tell. So Indeed. So uh, let me, I'll, I'll set the stage for everyone, if you will. So Ike and I had been talking back and forth for a couple of months about him coming down here. Um, and I got a text a couple days before finally you guys decided you were going to leave with the picture of some type of uh, roadster in the back of a U-Haul truck saying, do you think we can get this out somewhere at your workshop? <laughs> and that was sort of how the whole adventure began, at least from my perspective. But uh, uh, so we, Chris and I, set to work on figuring out how to get uh, an old roadster out of the back of a I believe your suggestion was tie it to a post and drive away. Yeah, or just drive, just and put it in neutral driving. and just, just drive the truck forward quickly. That ought to do it, you know? I, I believe it was actually my recommendation. But but I, the story actually starts much earlier on than that, yeah? Uh, it does. It starts about a year ago, and uh, it starts with a, a DM from this uh, actor fellow by the name of Jason Momoa. And uh, All great stories start <laughs> with a DM from Jason Momoa. He was just sliding into my DMs, you know, like you like you do. And, he was like, and where it, can I get one of those Adner Power Hour t-shirts yeah, I've been hearing yeah, so much he was, about? Did, I mean, you knew who he was, kind of, or was it a surprise? I, I, was, I was not super familiar with his body of work, but I have become so since. And uh, he was excited about getting an early Land Rover, and in particular, one that I wasn't excited about letting go of. Mm. And uh, I was like, no, I don't want to sell that. And so, you know, periodically I would get a message from him. Hey, are you ready to sell that? Are you interested in selling it? And so he was actually pretty persistent and, um, and very interested in learning about the car and, and its history. To be fair though, that, that is the way you have ended up with a number of your most uh, remarkable vehicles. So yeah, it's true. He was Your doing own it right. power he was doing is it right. being used against you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is true. This is maybe why I succumb to his his charms. <laughs> One of the reasons. One of the not, reasons. Not One because of his body of work. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. At any rate, uh, uh, yeah. So uh, I wasn't really interested in selling it, and I thought, well, maybe this guy maybe he has something equally cool or interesting that he would be willing to you trade can take me. from him yeah. by force. And no. So, so I was like, I was like, what do you, maybe, maybe you have something that I'm interested in. Maybe you would trade me something. And he's like, 
I've never sold or traded anything in my whole life. That's what he told me. He must have a lot of stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's as every milk carton. He's he's like a Howard Hughes type person. He's, no, I'm teasing. Uh, at any rate, um, he he sent me a list of of motorcycles that he had that uh, were old antique motorcycles. And we talked about a, a trade for those and uh, we worked out something. And so this happened over like a year period of time. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to ride this motorcycle up the coast back to Oregon? Little did I know that was incredibly foolhardy and stupid. <laughs> so a, a little more about this motorcycle. So this isn't like uh, this isn't like a twenty twenty one, you know, like uh, Suzuki uh, V King or what? I don't know any whatever. No, insert no. random brand new motorcycle. Yes. Uh, one of those. It's, one of those. It's like, not one even of those, like a sixty eight. Like a Honda Triumph. Goldwing from the eighties. You know, yeah. you it's not know. even like a fifty two Vincent Black Shadow. Nice. No, it, it's, it's a pre war motorcycle, and so if you've never ridden a pre-war motorcycle, manufacturers at that time had not standardized where the controls would be. So uh, different manufacturers thought it'd be a good idea to put the throttle on one side and different uh, manufacturers decided that it'd be a good idea to have a, a clutch here and a, you know, a brake there and a, you know, a, a magneto or timing advance over there. And so everybody put them in different places. And so you might get on one motorcycle and it was like, you know, under the seat, you know, to shift it. And then, you know, another motorcycle might have, you know, you have to reach into the spokes in between uh, the spokes to like operate the <laughs> throttle. And, you know, at, at any rate, any, everyone had a different way of doing it. And so um, I had, had never really spent a lot of time uh, riding pre-war motorcycles. You know, mm -hmm. I had owned another one and uh, I'd not really ridden it long distances, and so the configuration of this motorcycle was very different than what I was used to riding. And so um, because of that, uh, you know, I've got this whole lifetime of muscle memory associated with mm -hmm. the controls being in one place. And now they're in a totally different place. And so it, it was initially very, very difficult to to ride it and get and used so to that. And so what better idea than to plan a trip from the yeah. southern part of the country to the northern part of the country on, and on a motorcycle that you've never ridden and yes. even better being chased by the oldest car you can find so linus maybe let's talk a little bit about planning for the trip and how you decided to get involved and why you decided to drive the car that you decided well, to drive which is ultimately the one that ended up in a text message to me on how do we get this out of the back of a u-haul of a u-haul truck or if you had been here how do you get it into a U-Haul truck? <laughs> and thank goodness I wasn't. Uh. So, well, to, to answer that question, I suppose, uh, I, I really don't know. I think Ike touched on it, which is foolhardiness and stupidity. Uh, those are major contributing factors. But uh, I enjoy antique cars as much as I enjoy Land Rovers and mm -hmm. um, perhaps as much as Ike enjoys antique motorcycles. And uh, I had a car that... Uh, I thought could uh, be a good candidate to make the trip. And when Ike mentioned that he wanted to do it, I thought, I want to do that. You know, that sounds really great. But since I haven't a motorcycle to do it with, mm -hmm. uh, why not drive a car? A car that Which is, is equally the, that is also stupidly old. So <laughs> it's incredibly hard to drive, like this incredibly hard to ride motorcycle. Yes, uh, almost I like had, a competition on who could bring who could the bring stupidest the missile. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I could have won that with his Unimog. <laughs> that would have been terrible. <laughs> but uh, my car is a 1925 Model T Speedster. Um, it has been accessorized to drive at almost normal car speeds as opposed to traditional Model T speeds. Uh, it goes down the road pretty well. It's very reliable. And uh, I thought it would be just wonderful to follow Ike uh, along the coast. What more could you want out of life? Camp right. along the way, have some sandwiches. You know, it sounded wonderful. I was absolutely wanted to do it. It took some doing, you know, the scheduling and the how do we get this there and can we do it and when are we going to leave and all of that. But I definitely wanted to go, and it worked out that I could. So uh, there come that, that's when the U-Haul became part and of it. And so, yeah, so exactly. So then, well, how do you get the car here? I, I think someone would say, maybe you put it on a car trailer or something, but no. 
No, no. Well, how do we get the car trailer back? Great point. You know, we didn't want to leave it in your driveway. Yeah. I mean, not that it would have fit too well, but, you know, and so it, it took us, what, two weeks to figure out how we wanted to finally do it. It did. We we went back and forth about that, and, and it, it took even longer to determine that this is something that I wanted to actually make this exchange, because this is this was a Land Rover that I really was excited about and had right. for a long time and was emotionally attached to. And so, uh, you know, I asked a lot of, of, of experts, or at least experts that I could find about doing this trip and, and whether it was a good idea and about this particular motorcycle. You know, I sent them pictures and asked them questions and had this expert call that expert and ask them what they thought. And, mm-hmm. and most of them came back and said, this is a dumb idea. <laughs> but, but? Uh, they said it was possible they said it was possible and um and that's and, it, and that's where everything went sideways but, but most of them also <laughs> said that they wouldn't themselves personally do it <laughs> right 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 so now you've decided you're driving north you're going to bring the hundred year old car to pick up the 80 year old motorcycle so What's the process of getting, as you said, I wasn't there for it, thank God, getting that car into the U-Haul? Well, first you have to get a U-Haul, and that right. turned out to be more difficult than you might think. <laughs> well, getting the U-Haul, yeah, was difficult, and then we'll talk a little bit about returning the U-Haul, but, but getting the U-Haul in the first place, that's right, there was like, a, there was like some controversy around picking well, up the U-Haul. It, it's, it's supposed to be easy. You, you call U-Haul, you say, I want one of this on this day, and I, this is what I did. And we went down. You show up at the U-Haul counter, they the type place, on that keyboard for 55 and minutes, and then had, you get the keys. <laughs> I, I got down there and I said, I'm here to pick up my U-Haul truck. And they said, oh, well, we have this size U-Haul reserved for you for in town only. Mm. And I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work for us at all. I, I can't I can't use that size of U-Haul and I need it to go a one-way trip to Los Angeles, which I mentioned clearly when I had called to make the reservation. So right. we ended up getting sent to some podunk place to pick up the U-Haul truck uh, and we had reserved a 15-foot U-Haul truck because right. my car is about 12 feet, 3 inches long. Plenty of Sounds space. Sounds wonderful. Plenty yeah. of space. Uh, I get out there. It, the person there was was very nice, very it was, helpful. It was a self-storage place it was with a, two lockers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them was the U-Haul. <laughs> they had to empty it out. <laughs> and so they, they, they made me a great uh, reservation there. Uh, they gave me some free mileage. Because oh, nice. they were feeling, you know, somewhat bad that I'd been put out trying to go get the thing. And um, it was very strange. So I guess when you when you reserve a U-Haul truck and you uh, you put in a destination, mm-hmm. that U-Haul has some kind of algorithm that tells their computers how long it should take for you to get to Top that destination. Minds. Top right? minds are at work on that. So it said... From, from Eugene, Oregon to your house was mm-hmm. a five-day travel time. And I was like, excuse me, but I don't want this truck for five days. I right. can't, what am I going to do with it for the last three? <laughs> so uh, she said, oh, no problem. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put in this destination that is much closer to your house as mm-hmm. your drop-off point so that the computer calculates it as a two-day trip instead of a five-day trip. And then I'm going to give you 300 free miles so that you can drive from that place that you don't want to drop off your truck to the place you do want to drop off your truck. And you can drop it off anywhere you want, and it'll be fine. And I said, great. And it was a very good price. And we signed it. And we took the truck, and we thought we were in the clear. So now you have a 15-foot truck. <laughs> I have a 15-foot truck. Ike shop with your 12-foot car. With my 12-foot so no car. 12-foot, so no 3 inches. Yeah. That right. comes into play. <laughs> I see. I see. So uh, what, how did you devise, what method did you use? Because uh, I had also said to potentially the Dukes of Hazard method of mm-hmm. just, you, uh, you know, just, yeah. But you have to, you have, to have that, uh, that horn. 
in order to make the jump. Uh, it mm -hmm. has to have mm -hmm. the, the correct Dukes of Hazard horn so fitted. It, you know, we had been trying to figure out uh, where a loading dock we could use would mm -hmm. be. And there is a loading dock near Ike that was four feet and the truck is three feet. So we would have been driving the car down because it, you, instead of being, yeah, you, you would be driving the car down into the U-Haul. Yeah. But what happened was I uh, parked the U-Haul back at the shop, coincidentally, right next to this sort of hump of dirt. And when we mm. were wandering around measuring the U-Haul to see if the car would fit, we realized that it was a perfectly uh, usable space to load it. So we ended up driving the car around up onto the hill uh, through the grass and then over to where the truck was. And it was almost level driving mm. it in. It may be a six inch difference. And, and during that process of measuring the truck. <laughs> That's when we discovered that the load space <laughs> is only 12 feet long and the extra three feet is the section over the cab. Oh! <laughs> the so over like, the cab bit? If you go to the, the truck store and you say, I'd like to buy a truck with a six-foot bed, and you walk up to the truck with a tape measure, and you put it in there, and the bed is four feet long, and you say, hey, this bed's only four feet long. And then the salesperson lowers the tailgate and says, no, 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 it's six. <laughs> Does that make any sense? <laughs> no. No, it does not. No, that's not how you think about it. We, so, we were fucked by marketers. <laughs> we God were screwed it. over. God damn it. <laughs> so here we are trying to fit a 12-foot, 3-inch car into a 12-foot loading space. Hmm. By a miraculous coincidence, if you turn the wheels all the way to one side and put the car in sideways, you can get it to fit. Interesting. A little, little bit of an angle. With a little bit of an angle. And we had to pad the back of the body so that it didn't rub on the door. Right. But we did get it in. and You, you did know, get it in. But I have to say, opening the door when it finally got here and seeing that car in there was it was a it was a, it was a small miracle it was uh, it was a small miracle thing, and you know we had see. we we thought we were done right there i mean uh, it, you know measuring measuring a car um is kind of difficult to do yeah. with a tape measure because mm -hmm. it's not you a can't, rectangle you can't run it directly from one point to another without pieces of the body getting in the way so we had estimated that we needed you know, a little more than the, the actual length turned out to be. So we got it in there and very lucky. And then we were ready to start figuring out what else we needed to bring. We had a lot of spares to gather, tools to gather, and that's there, a whole there's, other... There's absolutely no tie-down points in a U-Haul truck. Either. Oh, gosh, that's true. <laughs> they don't want you to do what we did. <laughs> no, they don't. I don't think they recommend you shoving 100-year-old cars in the back of a U-Haul. That is that and is it, not it, on the poster. It, it should be fine because it fit perfectly in there, and it wasn't heavy, you know. But we ended up having to unscrew some bolts out of the floor and replace them uh, with some different bolts and some eye hooks and uh, tie the car in to the floor that way but it ended up being fine and we put it all back just so and nobody would ever know would be uh, none the i wiser. think we put it back together better than when the way we got it over the original we're going to take a very quick break to hear from this sponsor this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups in breaking news Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. And now back to the show. So the drive, you guys take off uh, to head uh, down south. And that, surprisingly, was actually not the most memorable drive I hear. It was well, relatively we had been, smooth. We had, uh, it was funny because we just kept saying, okay, should we stop here tonight? 
And then we'd say no, and we'd keep going. And then we should we stop here tonight? And we'd say no, and we kept going. And before you know it, we're only two hours from your house. Well, yeah. By the time you get to by the time you get to Stockton, you're like, we're not stopping here. <laughs> we're not stopping anywhere between here and there. Yeah, but and there's Stockton nowhere to down. stop. Uh, that's probably pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty it's good. Just so, it's just a giant feedlot of smoke. Yeah, it just smells like turds and cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are the country's, uh, that particular part of the state is the country's largest exporter of both turds and cigarettes. So, yes. Never get stuck there during a windstorm. That's all no. I can tell you. <laughs> ew, ew, I can taste it. No, ew. <laughs> well, you know, we, we should probably touch on some of our prep work, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because there was some fun shenanigans there as well. Uh, Ike didn't have the motorcycle to to work on right so he he had a fairly easy uh beginning prep as far as that he just ordered the pieces he thought he might need you know (laughs) i asked a whole panel of experts what parts i should bring and they were like they were like you should really bring like a whole other motorcycle and a van and a machine shop and like (laughs) yeah everything to rebuild or build another replacement motorcycle because yeah. shit's going to happen. Yeah. And it did. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think, you know, the only, the only really funny part of the prep work that I, that I can think of right now is, you know, uh, when you have a blowout in, in a, in a tube car, mm-hmm. uh, it's very handy to have tire irons mm-hmm. and a tire pump yeah. and talcum powder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, we, we had to go well, i had to go over to the the what, what do you have a walgreens there pharmacy, and I'm wa- yeah. a pharmacy in there and i'm wandering around looking for this stuff and all i can find is medicated foot powder and i'm like <laughs> man i don't want to be- buy scented medicated foot powder to put in my tire <laughs> so uh, i asked the guy and i said do you have any non-medicated talcum powder so i should have any guessed, ball powder it, bro ball powder it was in the it was in the the baby care section yeah, next to the diapers right. there you so gotta talc we, up before a long trip we had to bring some with us and we were tight on space so we had to fill a little ziploc bag with all of this talcum powder <laughs> i had also decided that it would be a good idea because i was i was wearing a camelback you know with the with the little plasticky yeah. tube, yeah. you know, the that runs sucky, up to your the mouth. The little sucky tubey thing. Yeah, because yeah. I have nowhere to put a beverage. So yeah, I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to stay hydrated. It's going to be 100,000 degrees. We're doing this in the middle of the summer. And so I decide I'm going to bring a, another Ziploc baggie of, of, of Gatorade powder. So we have all these, like... <laughs> <laughs> unmarked powders in bags <laughs> stashed all over our vehicles. <laughs> We're like, we better not get pulled over. <laughs> I feel like though, if you did, they'd open the back, they'd look at the car, there'd be baggies of powders. And they'd be like, you know what? Just, just I don't want to deal with this. This is a go. paperwork nightmare. I'm not going to deal with it. No, just go. Just, just go. go. <laughs> just go. Anyway, we finally did get to your house. Which was a relief. What did we get there? At 10 no, or it wasn't that actually. Oh, it was. It was like oh. about ten thirty, which is amazing because when you said ten thirty, I assumed well, they mean ten thirty the next morning because <laughs> nobody drives from Oregon in like a single day. But uh, you know, <laughs> you guys just uh, no problem. We we had uh, a secret weapon, which uh, was actually a little bit of a risk on the way it, down. Some of it was the powder. Yes, yeah, some of it was the powder. <laughs> but we had also uh, stopped uh, randomly at a gas station, and on on the side of the gas pump was an advertisement for Indian food at the very same gas station, and we were like. You know, this, this is a risky trip. Let's roll the dice. And so, yep. <laughs> so we got some some Punjabi Dabi, which is actually the name of it. And uh, it was delicious. It was it awesome. Was some of the best. Absolutely. I will have to say, there's a Santa Monica, there's a gas station in Santa Monica that has a, an Indian uh, family that owns it. And they also serve Indian food. And it is like some of the best Indian food. Don't be afraid of gas station Indian food. Or is that the first time during this tale that I could have died? I think also potentially could have taken you both out, could have taken one of you out, could have taken know. the we, whole the whole truck out. We don't know. We're like sitting on the side of the highway, sitting on a moving blanket, eating gas station Indian food, and like semi trucks are zoom 
zooming by. We had I'm a sure moving blanket. That out. same That's highway true. patrol guy that pulled you over earlier just drives by, shaking his head. Just, uh, <laughs> those guys. Who are these idiots? <laughs> Who are these guys? So 10 a.m. You guys, or 10 p.m. You guys get here. A lovely night. Tuck in. The next morning, of course, we have to get the car out of the U-Haul truck. Yeah. And that started off by saying, first of all, okay, I've got these ramps. Don't worry about it. No problem. This is this is something we should mention. We couldn't bring ramps with us because then the ramps would be, we couldn't carry them on the motorcycle or the, yep. or the speedster. Right. So fortunately, you had some. Unfortunately, I had ramps until I went to find the ramps and realized <laughs> I had lent them out and that they had been thrown away by the the person that I had lent them to. So we started the day by first going to procure ramps, which took no less than, I think, three Harbor Freights to finally find um, a set of ramps that... Single-use ramps. <laughs> theoretically. Single-use. Theoretically. With a capacity of 1,600 pounds. We're rated for the, the vehicle. Uh, we figured there would be a safety margin uh, uh, you know, built in them. So we went and procured the ramps, got the ramps into the parking lot of my workshop and sort of set them up against the car and... Uh, strapped them down everything felt you know everything felt pretty good we got the 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 uh, floor jack out to move the car centered to take up that three inches of uh stick out and uh and started backing the car uh out of the uh <laughs> out of Ike and i standing pretty far back and linus maybe explain a little bit about how the controls of the model t work because it's not it's not trivial to simply well okay just get in and push it out it's no big deal you know whatever well, right the, the thing about the model t is that uh it it doesn't really have a a, a good neutral right where there's nothing connected to something else uh if you get out of the car and leave the emergency brake disengaged then that leaves the pedal in high gear. So if you don't put on the emergency brake, then the car is in high. So if you do put on the emergency brake, then the car is held in neutral. But neither of those lend well to pushing. Right. Either being in gear or having the emergency brake on. So one thing you can do is have a person sit in the car and push the left pedal to the middle position, which is neutral, and then it's sort of in neutral. But then you're spinning some bands inside of the cold transmission full of oil, and it's not exactly easy to push. So we had decided to have me just drive it out. And so that means uh, holding the left pedal in the neutral position and pushing the other pedal, which is the reverse pedal. <laughs> so I was backing out and it was all <laughs> wonderful until the oil pan caught on the edge of the truck. <laughs> yeah. And just then is <laughs> when the Harbor Freight ramp decided to go crack. And, uh, and we very quickly said, drive back in, drive back in, drive back in. <laughs> Hurry, put it back, put it back, put it back, put it back. <laughs> oh, we also had to put those darn ramps together. So if you oh, ever yes, buy ramps from the home, uh, from the Harbor Freight, you know that you have assembled. to put them together. Yeah, the, some assembly was required. We should have uh, not bolted them together, but just welded them together. Yeah, that and there's been a lot a more much... parts than you would think. It, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, <laughs> I actually, that's it is a job for the future is to weld on some proper plates onto the side of those things to make them actually Yeah, uh, and maybe useful. some supports along the side, and then maybe some different decking, and then maybe some supports on the inside, and maybe mm -hmm. a new bottom, and then mm -hmm. some supports that go down to the ground, mm -hmm. and then uh, maybe reinforce all of that yeah, yeah. yeah. well you know I, i'll be honest i've never weighed my car mm -hmm. i just went to the internet and looked up mm -hmm. the factory weight of a model t but and what that was that 1300 is what okay I came and up so with, you're but... 450 pounds so oh, that's true <laughs> <laughs> so we were well over the the rate yeah <laughs> no but you know we 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 thought of that and like uh, there's only two wheels on the ramps at any time so yeah, it exactly. should have still been Fine. Yeah. Well, only within, half uh, of that at any one time, but even that was overwhelming. Too to the much. Twelve, twelve hundred pound give you. Uh, so, if ramps. you're the average American person and you have a side by side ATV and you're trying to unload it out of your pickup truck, don't use those ramps. 
And first mm-hmm. of all, just sell your side-by-side ATV and buy a mm-hmm. small Land Rover. You'll be much happier. Indeed. Um, so, so then what we decided to do was abandon that. Now we have a Model T Roadster uh, hanging a good three inches out of the back of a U-Haul stuck, truck. Stuck in the U-Haul stuck truck. Stuck in the U-Haul truck, making it impossible to close the back door. Um, so we took a quick drive around the neighborhood and happened to find... Another convenient muddy lot with a little hill, like hill of dirt. Uh-huh. Another dirt berm. Another dirt, dirt berm. Yeah, and you have no mud in Southern California. That would require no. water. That's so true. It was just no completely, no, it was just like completely a talky, there's, talky there's dust. mud under everybody's lawn. Yes. <laughs> That's right. That's the only place you can find mud. And so taking the U-Haul over there and then just sort of just sort of slamming it into the hill until it was sort of a little bit level, doing a little bit of shoveling. Yep. Yep. And uh and that did manage to free the car from we did get the, the car uh, from the yep. U-Haul. It was just that easy. Yep. Just had to find a small, a little dicey getting it out. We still had to use the ramps, which did get a little buckly on the mm-hmm. way out. Um, mm-hmm. But with all of the dirt piled under them to essentially make them basically traction mats, um, it did it did work. It did come out, and uh, we'll put those uh, those uh, those ramps on the underpowered hour uh, web store and uh, yeah, their eBay, uh, eBay yeah, their store. We should today. auction those off. We should maybe those off. Uh, some kind of raffle or a. Uh, Send them out to somebody who listens to a. a it's true. On, uh, if you lose the raffle, to... we're going to send you these. <laughs> you raffle, you <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> if, uh, yeah, exactly right. And you get the we'll send you the ramps and a sticker. Um, so now so. we have the car out, but we have no motorcycle yet. Well, first, before you go and get the motorcycle, I think it might be worth coming back to that U-Haul truck and returning the U-Haul truck. Because (laughs) thankfully, the woman in Oregon was so nice to set up this uh, arrangement, this multi-tiered arrangement. She was also very, very wrong. (laughs) They threatened to make Linus buy the U-Haul truck. So so that morning, as we prepare for the pickup of uh, of the motorcycle, Linus gets a call from a gentleman in Sacramento. (laughs) Yes, I did. I did. So uh, if you remember back to where I said that the person who rented me the truck set my drop-off point much closer to Oregon than it actually was going to be, that location called me on the telephone and said, hey, when are you going to bring in that truck? We've rented it to somebody else. (laughs) 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 Meanwhile, we're 600 miles away. (laughs) (laughs) not planning to come back. It was a fiasco. First, it turns out that if you don't drop off the truck where you say you're going to, you're supposed to pay a large fee. And so I uh, ended up where did we take it? Somewhere cl- uh, over the hill? Yeah, uh, in, it was it, over in Canyon Country. Canyon Country. You could do anything yeah. in Canyon Country. And so we had to take it back to an actual U-Haul yeah. uh, dealer. Not, of which there's like only one north of the city. So. Right. There's only a very few, not just a rental facility. And we had to go in and meet with the lady there and give her a sob story about what was going on and why all of this happened. And it turned out fine. But it was an absolute... Can I say dick ache on the air? Oh, you can say whatever. <laughs> it was the biggest one of those anybody might have ever had. <laughs> they were they were threatening to charge you an extra how many thousands of dollars well, to return? Well, you know, the truck? like a whole thousand dollars. First of all, they told me I had to bring it back to Sacramento, which was absolutely impossible. A because we didn't want to and B because it, it, we couldn't have done our trip. Nothing would have worked. And it was too far away to get it back in time. So we would have had to rent it for another day. And uh, some poor uh, person try, <laughs> is trying to like move their house and they're like, shit, <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean you don't have a truck? I have yeah, a piece of furniture I, that's exactly 15 feet long. This is the only way to move it. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, they only knew. <laughs> Little did they know the disappointment that they had avoided. That's true. So it yeah. turned out to be a miserable thing. I spent... I I called U-Haul on the telephone and was on hold with them for 48 minutes, and then they hung up on me. (laughs) That was very disenchanting to go through, and I couldn't talk to a a live person anywhere. And so even after we found the location that I should take it back to in Canyon Country, 
I tried to call them so that I could speak to a person. Mm -hmm. And any time that you wanted to speak to a person, they just transferred me back to the main U-Haul number where I had been on hold and gotten hung up. I feel feel like when you call U-Haul, right, it's entirely robots. Yes. You know, it's like a phone tree and robots and like all that sort of shit. And then when you go to a U-Haul location, it's entirely staffed by trolls. (laughs) It's trolls, <laughs> trolls, and robots, and the robots are made out of 1997 Econoline vans and that sloth that works in the DMV from that one animated children's yeah, movie. That's exactly right. That's exactly exactly what happens. Yeah, we thought that it was only a matter of time until Linus came running out of there, and we had to. And the building was on fire. He, he actually did. He came running out with a receipt in go. front of him. Go, 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 go. go. And then he jumped in the car, and we peeled yeah. out and. And, and exactly that was the last right. we saw. Uh, it was funny. <laughs> it was funny. You know, the lady inside said, uh, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go back out to the clerk who accepts the vehicles and whatever fees he charges you, just pay them because anything I do in here is going to be more than that. And I said, okay. I okay. Said, so I went outside and I said, the lady inside said that I wasn't going to be charged any fees to return this truck. (laughs) (laughs) And so he said, okay, and took it back, and I ran. And then we ran. (laughs) And so that night, you guys headed down uh, to to, uh, deep past downtown, right? I mean, it's... uh... Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think at this point, Stephen was uh, sick of uh, fucking around with us, and he was like, you're on your own. Bye. (laughs) bye and so rightfully so yeah because this was uh this was all horrible um but we had to pick up the motorcycle which i don't know my los angeles geography very well uh you were going from north of the city in the santa clarita area to inglewood which is a trip down the 405 the world's busiest freeway anytime you say inglewood people like suck their teeth and they're like "Ooh," (laughs) you know uh it's not a super (laughs) super wonderful part of town you know within inglewood and this is the this is a part of the story which becomes sort of fantastical because uh linus was actually familiar with this area from from some previous trips down there uh, just by crazy coincidence yeah Um, i had been uh uh, unloading the contents of a of a storage warehouse down there that had belonged to a friend and uh, he had passed away and there was a, a large quantity of antique car parts stored there that i was helping to move and i had made uh i think we took eight trailer loads out of that building including uh a chassis and two disassembled cars and then piles and piles and piles of other things and so we're driving down to inglewood and i said oh here we're going to inglewood again and i was like oh turn right here turn turn right on this street and i was like you're kidding this street what are the odds you know this is this is the street i drive down every time i had to come down here with my big trailer turn down this alley and then he's he's like turn down this alley and i was like you're kidding this is the same alley i had to drive down all these times with my stupid trailer it was the same, I mean, it, not the same door in the same row of buildings, but it was the same row of buildings. They were connected to each other. It was the next door building. And of all the places in the whole world to go, why did it have to why be there? there? Of all of Jason Momoa's <laughs> motorcycle storage in all of the world, we had to end up here. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. so but he we had... didn't get lost. So then... yeah, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, so we get there, and and this fellow who who works on some of his motorcycles and uh, uh, and stores them and whatnot uh, is there, and he's very helpful, and uh, he shows us the motorcycle and and goes through the starting procedure, and you know, kind of shows us around. Uh, he's got a recording studio there. You know, nice guy, and. Um, we kind of get through that part, and the entire time he's talking, I'm like, "How am I going to embarrass myself when I'm leaving this place, riding this motorcycle that I'm so unfamiliar with?" And I'm like, thinking in my head, "Okay, here's you know the controls are on this side, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to try not to fall over." And uh, you know, it's what time was it? It was like seven or yeah, eight. It's late enough that it was dark. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's just about to get dark, and yeah. I'm like. 
pretty nervous about this whole thing. And, you know, I've ridden a lot of motorcycles, but this one's wholly unfamiliar. It's, and it's temperamental. I, I'll just interject and recall that during the entire time down here, on the way down, I would catch Ike practicing the maneuvers <laughs> to drive this motorcycle, you know, like an air guitar. He have his foot up in the air and the lever. <laughs> he was trying to build some kind of muscle memory to, re- right. to learn how to drive. So, uh, so we get there and then the guy's really nice and he shows us all about it. And, um, and I can't remember. He's like, oh, I, you know, the, the, all the lights don't work. You know, the bulbs are all burnt. Unfortunately, he had some of that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and so we did a little bit of, a little bit of tinkering while we were there just to like, you know, um, do that. And that was, that was calming my nerves. So I didn't have to just immediately jump on this thing. I could sort of become familiar, sit on it and, you know, start it up and go through the starting procedure a couple of times and that sort of thing. So, uh, we get done with that whole process and uh, it's time to go. It's, it's, it's like we're, we're driving and, uh, you know, I don't have any, uh, I'm not familiar with like Los Angeles real well. So I have to like figure out how I'm going to navigate and also, ride this thing and, and Linus fortunately is with me and he's in your truck and he he's like I'll I'll go ahead but that's also a problem because I'm not familiar with this and if it's a if I have a problem then he's ahead of me right and you have no tail light and I have no tail light which we fit we got the tail light working the tail light was started working once yeah once we got back to uh Stevens but yeah. during oh, the yeah. first he first had the night. bulb but we didn't install it we didn't that was, install it. That, was so, that was also yeah. dumb we just held it <laughs> held the bulb the whole yeah, way in his pocket so yeah. here i am and it's like it's it's like rush hour on what saturday night friday mm-hmm. night and and yeah. we're driving across los angeles 40 miles across los angeles and i i i did a couple of laps around the neighborhood there like a couple of laps around the block sort of thing and it was it was terrifying just to do that. And Linus is like, "Okay, you, it looks like you didn't fall. Let's go." <laughs> and uh, and so I'm like, ah, "All right." So we start off, and and you know the hardest part is is really navigating the stop and go traffic because mm-hmm. uh, for those of you unfamiliar, it has a rocker clutch, which means you know you can't really put your left foot down at all, and your right foot controls the brake, and um, you know you don't the, the front brake doesn't do a whole lot, so. You know, I, the, Harley Davidson and their, you know, infinite wisdom made it so you really, it's difficult to put your foot down, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you're coming to a stop. So, and shifting, it's an unsynchronized hand shift. Yeah. So you have to take your hand off of the handlebars, which in case you've never ridden a motorcycle is how you control the fucking thing. <laughs> and... <laughs> so so we're we're like you know driving down the highway and there's cars going uh, like literally 100 miles an hour and they're all merging and there's traffic and there's you know people who don't care that you're driving an old car and they're just with no lights or brake lights or anything for those of you who don't know the 405 one of the often rated the busiest freeway in north america is a, a no less than 12 lane wide uh super freeway that <laughs> yeah. is dug through the hills and uh people uh transiting from as far away as san diego to you know up north or up north of the city to where i am uh, are often on there trying to drive 100 miles an hour but but basically only being able to drive about 20 miles an hour and they're trying to increase their speed by playing an insane game of frogger by moving six or seven lanes at a time and back in and the forth. process <laughs> knocking over motorcycles now, every day yeah <laughs> yeah so i'm playing defense you know i'm, I'm trying to keep people away I'm trying to lead, you know, I've driven that road a, a, a number of times, so I'm trying to remember what lane to stay in so I, I know where to go, uh, but he's back there, and I'm wondering if I'm going too slow or if I'm going too fast, and I'm wondering if he's going to die. I think, I thought he did a couple times, <laughs> <laughs> but then there was that little dim light it showed up again. <laughs> like Tinkerbell in the... Uh, yeah. It's smaller than Tinkerbell. The headlight on a six-volt pre-war motorcycle is is somewhere 
between like a glow stick that's been glowing for 12 hours and uh, a, a single birthday candle. I think Elton John wrote a song about that headlight. It's <laughs> beautiful. It's a beautiful song. So you did finally end up at the workshop. No one died. Probably the third or maybe even fourth time that Ike avoided death, should have died. Like oh, Final yeah. Destination, the whole way uh, up there. The uh, entire way I'm thinking seeking. about all of my loved ones and like all the things I wish I'd done in my life. <laughs> and I get there, I get there and I'm like, holy shit, I made it. And then I realize we haven't even started the trip at all. <laughs> you know, that's funny because when you guys came back to the house, that was sort of, there was a gleefulness about it. And then I think slowly the realization washed over you uh, as to what was going to happen. So then the next day or so uh, is fixing the motorcycle, trying to get all of the little bits working properly and mm-hmm. uh, getting all of your gear packed onto it, trying to figure out if the bulbs would work and uh, and whatever else. Yeah, yeah, the dash lights are that weren't working or something and the the tail light wasn't working and um you know, uh, we're like those would be really handy things to have on a on a real long trip and we're like checking the fluids and you know, trying to adjust the brakes and and I I bought these saddlebags and I didn't have the motorcycle there so we're trying to like figure out how to zip tie and bailing wire and duct tape all that shit on the motorcycle cuz Linus's car doesn't have a lot of storage space no. either. A so tiny, it's tiny adorable like, little trunk. Oh, it the trunk on Linus's car is literally like 18 inches. It's like a little 18 inch cube. And it was full, you know, we had uh, our tire repairing equipment in there. I mm-hmm. had a tire pump and the passenger seat was full. I mean, I was already carrying some of uh, some of Ike's, you know, bags and things in there. There was nowhere to put any more stuff. So we had to really get creative on the bike to, to make things fit. But we did. And I'm trying to think of all the stuff we did to it to get ready. The, yeah, the lots of, there's lots of electrical stuff, the, little bits of, uh, you know, trying to align things. And Did we uh, tighten the chain? I don't think we tightened the chain until uh, maybe should have tightened the on stand trip. bolts, I guess. I suppose so. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, after a day of of sort of uh, tightening and fastening and making sure everything's lashed down, Ike and I, I went out on my bike with Ike. We did a little test ride around the neighborhood to make sure that nothing fell off the motorcycle. On the, well, uh, that's the thing about these motorcycles is they vibrate so much that every time you stop, you have to like walk around and tighten all the bolts. And if you ride it too long... And, and don't stop frequently enough, shit will fall off. Mm-hmm. Like when we had the motorcycle running, the headlight lens was literally rotating. <laughs> walking around in a walking circle. Walking around yeah. in a circle inside the headlight. And we're like, that, that can't be good. So then the next morning comes around Sunday. The first sort of day of the trip, we head over to the workshop about four thirty in the morning to make sure that you guys are riding in the in the uh, in the coolness of the uh, morning. Uh, got the car started out on the driveway. Got the motorcycle started and out on the and starting the motorcycle is 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 like you know sort of the prep that goes into starting a world war ii era aircraft i feel like you have to have the contact person and it's a whole thing it's a ritual you know the starting these motorcycles is a ritual you have to get the you know the carburetor choke set right and the the timing advance set right and you have to like kick it before the electrics are on so it draws fuel into the motorcycle and you have to have the fuel valve turned on and you have to kick it not in the you know um the exhaust stroke but in the compression stroke Mm -hmm. you know and and so you have to do all these things in a a certain order in a certain way and there's praying i think and then Mm -hmm. there's like Mm -hmm. a sacrifice that you have to make and then if Mm -hmm. if if you do everything right if you pronounce the sacred words correctly (laughs) (laughs) it still won't start nick too it still won't start (laughs) necktie at any rate uh (laughs) if you if you say it all right and it's it still won't start and then you have to do it all over again and then maybe it will yeah so and then uh, usually you get overconfident so you put all of your gloves and and helmet mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and jacket on and then by the time you've kicked it like 
four times you're so hot and sweating and like horrible <laughs> and horribly uncomfortable you have to take it all off and then start all over again it's miserable and it's- when it does start i mean if you've ever been next to a stampede of wild animals uh that are you know sort of uh, running by like in the lion king uh mm-hmm. when there's all those wildebeest. buffalo yeah <laughs> wildebeest buffalo. it's uh, yeah. sounds very similar very similar to that it's an aggressive sound it's uh, a lot of heat a lot of vibration it's worth mentioning speaking of wildebeest that the seat of this motorcycle is clad in the finest uh buffalo hide and not buffalo hide as in like buffalo leather but simply buffalo fur uh, is what the seat is made of <laughs> the blanket i think my favorite question on the trip that i was asked was did you get crabs from that seat <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes the answer is yes so my last vision of a u2 was going down my driveway at the workshop out the back door of the uh, of the workshop and uh, and sort of t- turning the corner to to a, a what was probably a rough gear change into second and i believe thinking to myself well it's the last time anybody's ever going to see those two alive yeah that's it that's and it, it was and it was <laughs> we actually recorded this show before the trip <laughs> maybe we did die maybe we did maybe find out. both died and this is a memorial episode <laughs> the only way to find out the answer to that dear listener is to tune in next week for part two of the summer breakdown part two in our eight-part series of will they the- die Will Will they they die? die? Part two. It's so long already. We're breaking it into two. And uh, we hope you'll join us uh, next week and not simply abandon the show en masse. Uh, (laughs) And uh, we certainly enjoyed uh, having you, Linus, looking forward to the second part of the journey, which is the actual journey. Although so far, it has seemed like quite the journey already. And uh, certainly interested in seeing how many ways I could die and what else breaks uh, on the way back to Oregon. So, Linus, thank you. I thank you as always. See you next week. Maybe. We'll see you next week. Maybe. (laughs) We might be dead. (laughs) Who knows what'll happen on part two of The Summer Breakdown from your friends at the Underpowered Hour. Powered Hour is produced by me, Steve Barris, and Ike Goss. If you love the show, why not support us on Patreon, where you can find the video version of this very special episode. Join us next week for the exciting conclusion of the Summer Breakdown. Summer Breakdown.